How's it going, everybody? Brian Alvarez here on Wrestling Observer Live. We are here every day, Monday through Friday, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, Sunday, 3 Pacific, 6 Eastern. It is Tuesday on this program, and you know what that means? We've got last night's Raw, the Raw after WrestleMania. The legendary Raw after WrestleMania. It was an alright show. We didn't wait three hours for Roman Reigns to tell us that he would tell us what was going on on the next show. That was interesting. And I I always see what's going on. What's chat talking about? I I ask myself as the show begins. What what about Raw or any of the news? What's really what's really getting their conversation going? And of all things, it's Elias. Of all things. So I guess we got to talk about Elias today. You guys know the story of this Elias bloke? Remember Elias? Remember he played that guitar? And then uh, and then he did those vignettes and he said that uh, Elias was dead, long live Elias. And this was like nine months ago or something crazy. And then he just vanished off television forever. We never saw him again. And then they cut a whole bunch of people, but they didn't cut Elias. And I was like, where's this Elias guy at? He's nowhere to be seen. And then... Last night on Raw, Kevin Owens is doing a promo. Top heel Kevin Owens, I might add. And he's interrupted by Elias, who has shaved his face and does not have a guitar. And this this new Elias, he looks like somebody like straight out of, you know, WWF, like a job guy from Superstars of Wrestling in about 1990. He's got, you know, long hair, you know, big dude, totally generic looking, generic trunks, everything. And he comes out and... Kevin Owens says, uh, what are you doing here, Elias? And Elias says, I'm not Elias. I'm Elias's brother, Ezekiel. He's playing his own brother. So anyway, we can talk about this compelling storyline and everything else that went down on Raw. We got WrestleMania weekend business notes. We got a lot of news. We'll get into it after the break. Wrestling Observer Live. Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Semper, also of WrestlingObserver.com. I can't, I can't believe this is the top story today. That's all everyone's what? talking about. What is? Ezekiel. Oh, my. So, listen, I got a text during the break from uh, producer Rob. I don't know if you guys are aware of uh, Rob, producer Rob, but he's, he's regularly wrong. And he goes here, you don't like the Ezekiel storyline? I'm shocked. Shocked, I say. I never said I didn't like the storyline. In fact, I can't even say whether I like the storyline or not because there is no storyline right now. We have a guy who's claiming he's his own brother. Now listen, I once saw this storyline in, of all places, TNA, where you had the monster abyss, and then one day his brother, Joe Park, showed up, okay? Dude, this storyline was awesome. But there's a big difference, okay? There's a big difference. Yeah, Park, Park, and Park. That's right. He was he was an attorney, Joe Park. So the problem the problem here what you guys don't seem to realize is Abyss was a masked monster, and he had a mask with a long haired wig sewn into it. Okay, so when he was going to be Joe Park, he took the mask off and he combed his hair and he you know put his glasses spectacles on and he was all goofy and uh, he could play two characters and it was fun because. You know, you were sitting there thinking, okay, am I supposed to believe that there actually are two people here? Or am I supposed to believe that Joe Park is pretending to be his brother, but he's actually Abyss without his mask on? And then you do a bunch of storylines from there. Elias doesn't wear a mask. 
His mask was he had a beard. So, like, where are we going here? Like, you know, Ezekiel's going to come out here and do some stuff, and then he's going to put on a fake beard, like a Santa beard with the the thing, and then, you know, play some guitar or whatever, and, you know, he's going to be Elias that day, and then he'll take it off. I mean, you know, maybe they can make it so campy at work, but you're already, it's already not going to work the same way it did with Joe Park in Abyss. But, I mean, Abyss does work for WWE, so, I mean... You know, maybe he made this suggestion, and uh, and away we go. But, I mean... Maybe they have some other grand plan. I mean, if you had had Kane... Remember when Kane had the mask, and then they yeah. unmasked him? Like, if they would have done it then, before they unmasked him, if, like, he had his mask on and his long hair, and then one day, Mayor Glenn showed up, and he wore a suit, and he had a shaved head or whatever, and he, you know, talked politics, and he really wanted to get rid of this big red monster, because it was like you know, hurting his political career that, you know, his brother was like a crazed arsonist or something like that. That'd be one thing. But we got an unmasked guy who's now parading as his own unmasked bro. How, how do you make this work? What do we, I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe I'll love it. But so far, I'm like, what is this? You really could have pushed it with the Kane storyline because you could have had his brother, so Dr. Much you could Yankum, join up. You could, <laughs> his, his past as the Unabom in, in OVW could have been brought up. But this is... This is right out of a daytime, bold and the beautiful, young and the restless, general hospital sort of thing. Character leaves, comes back. No, that's not me. Well, yeah, but I'm there's, I mean, no one cares <laughs> that he left. No one even remembered he was gone. Oh, that hits well. I mean, it'd be one thing if, like, Elias. you know, all of a sudden Randy Orton disappears and then some long-haired guy shows up and he says he's his own brother. Exactly. <laughs> Or something like that, or Barry Orton, or maybe Jr. he let it grow out and it got all puffy, and he claimed he was his own father. <laughs> so I'm not Randy; I'm Cowboy Bob. He kind of shows up with a cast on. Oh my! Like God. I got ideas, but I'm not sure about this one. Anyway, gotta let it play out, right? We got a lot of other stuff that we got to get into. <laughs> that uh, trust me is more important than uh, than old Ezekiel. Eli. So I got to tell he you guys really a story. That name though, because what was it? Ezekiel Jackson was the last Ezekiel in WWE. So they, there must they be like their biblical something names. about that name. Yeah, it's you know in the Bible, this uh, Ezekiel fella, he saw this this uh, this vision that all the the UFO folks think was a UFO. <laughs> so maybe the story could be that Elias was abducted and they brought down Ezekiel. That's where he's at. Don't give him ideas. Anyway, I got a story to tell y'all. Not really a story, but so. Uh, Here's NXT tonight. This is the lineup for NXT. We got Raquel and Dakota against Toxic Attraction. Toxic Attraction lost the belts and they're getting an immediate rematch. Because we got a lot of immediate rematches I've noticed lately, even though... Anyway, we're going to hear from the North American champion Cameron Grimes. Nikita Lyons versus Lash Legend is tonight. And the uh, the fallout from Stand and Deliver. So, uh... On Saturday, we had the stand and deliver, and it was uh, Ziggler versus Braun Breaker. And Braun Breaker was defeated by Dolph Ziggler. And uh, that afternoon, I I heard from someone who's close to folks in NXT, and they know a lot about what's going on there. And uh, they said, you know, looks like uh, Ziggler's going to be champion for a while. This was Saturday, okay? So then Sunday, or Monday... Uh, at about uh, 11.30 or so, I, I heard actually from several people that we're going to have uh, NXT title change on the show tonight. 
One person said NXT title change tonight, and the other person specified that it was going to be uh, Braun Breaker beating Dolph Ziggler to win the title back on Raw, which is why I said everything that I that I said yesterday. So, uh, so I watched the show, and they do Braun Breaker and Dolph Ziggler, and Braun Breaker defeats Dolph Ziggler, and he wins the NXT championship. He's new champion. He's won the belt. So I continue watching the show and everything like that, and then about 45 minutes later... They have a commercial for NXT. And the commercial for NXT, the whole commercial, is about how Dolph Ziggler beat Braun Breaker, and we're going to get the fallout on NXT. Which, oddly enough, they said, NXT, tonight at 9 o'clock. So, not only... It was tomorrow's commercial that they aired on the wrong day... And the commercial that they had had been created with the idea that Ziggler was still the champion. So anyway, uh, it's the usual, you know, oh, Brian and Dave, Shane, plans change, what a cop-out. Bro, they changed this plan. And we have all evidence, all evidence points to, on Saturday, Dolph was going to be the champion for a while. And by Monday, he had already lost the belt to Braun Breaker on Raw. I think... It is my theory. I think that on Saturday, the idea was we are going to beat Braun Breaker and then he's going to be called up to the main roster on the Raw after WrestleMania. And then, I don't know, you know, what happened over the next day or so. Maybe someone was like, dude, can we have him for like six more months? You know, maybe, you know what it might have been? Maybe they watched that Omos match and they were like, we don't want to call anybody up too early, even Braun Breaker. So let's leave him down there for a while and instead of calling him up, we'll give him a big win on Raw. You know, hey, everyone, here's this Braun Breaker fella. Oh, he gets a big win, wins a championship on Raw. Y'all cheer and everything like that. And then he uh, he stays on NXT for a while. So I don't know what the whole mindset was of everything that happened, but clearly there was a, a change of plans this weekend. And Braun Breaker is back as the champion. And uh, he's going to be, I guess, on the show, which I think is actually tonight, unlike what they told me on Raw last night. <laughs> it. It doesn't kill my feelings that he's back in NXT at all. It doesn't, but I just don't... I don't know. In another world, and in common sense, he's only been wrestling for, what, officially six months he's been in their program for. And so, yeah, I mean, him staying down there for another year, in theory, is going to make him a better wrestler, a better worker. But that also depends on what they're teaching him, what they want him to do, who he's working with. And it's like... Braun Breaker on the main roster, I mean, there's all these things that, in theory, could go bad, but it's like, him on the main roster makes a lot more sense than, let's say, oh, I don't know, Gable Stevenson debuting on the main roster as opposed to, really now, taking Braun Breaker's place in NXT and having Braun up on the main roster. They're, they they finally debuted Veer. You have Cody showing up. You've now re-debuted Elias as Ezekiel. There's obviously these post-mania changes that get made. Braun Breaker now, to me, would be be a great time for him to be up there. But they, again, for whatever reason, he's back down in NXT. I guess he's going to continue on with Dolph and Bobby Roode, which, you know, that's helped them as far as refreshing them. But, again, it surprises me that they would want Braun down there for really any extended period of time. But yet they are still, as far as I know, wanting to debut Gable Stevenson on the main roster. Back in a moment, bros, Observer Live. 
Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Semper, VB, also WrestlingObserver.com. I'm going to do this uh, Raw report here real quick, then we'll talk about it. There's a lot to talk about. So it opened up with a Cody Rhodes promo, and uh, he did a great promo, AEW-style promo, and he acknowledged that he had been elsewhere. He said it was an easy decision to come here, signed a multi-year deal. Fans chanted, you deserve it. And then he told a story about a photo that they had in their house, Dusty had in his house, of a match at Madison Square Garden, September 26, 1977. Dusty's holding the belt over his head, and Cody notes, he held the belt, but he never actually won it. Because he won the match via count-out, and the title cannot change hands via count-out. And so he said it was the belt that Hogan, Undertaker, Michaels, Triple H, and many other had, had held. And he said his father was a hero, and he had vowed that someday he was going to get that belt, and he was going to hand it to his father. But his father died. So he can no longer hand the belt to his father, but he can win that belt and strap it around his own waist for himself, for the fans, and for his family. So that's the storyline. Cody's goal is to win the WWE Championship that his father never won. And there's a lot of ways that you can do this right. There's also a lot of ways you can... uh, I mean, he's going to win the title eventually. But I feel like there's a way they could do it and it would be awesome. And there's a way where they could just do it. So we'll see which one they choose. But I know which one I'm leaning towards. I hope for the other. We had a non-title match. This was absolutely positively classic WWE. It is champions Sasha Banks and Naomi versus Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan. But it is a non-title match. Sasha Banks and Naomi versus Rhea and Liv in a non-title match ends when Liv Morgan is pinned clean in the middle of the ring by the champions. Rhea has been with one geek partner after another. She can take no more. She is upset, and she just storms to the back. Later, Liv goes up to her and says, What was that all about? Seems pretty self-explanatory to me. But Rhea says, You know what? I'm sorry I was frustrated. But I have spoken to Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville. And they have granted us a championship match next week. So they lost a non-title match clean in the middle of the ring to lead to a championship match on next week's show. We had a Kevin Owens segment. This was the return or the debut of Elias slash Ezekiel, however you want to, to term it. It appears they will be having a match or something. From Stone Cold Steve Austin in the main event of WrestleMania... To Ezekiel. The Miz, Still worth it. The Miz defeated Dominic Mysterio in 31 seconds clean with the skull-crushing finale. 31 seconds clean in the middle. And then Veer debuted, and he beat up Dominic, and he beat up Ray. And next week, he will kill the legendary Ray Mysterio Jr. on Monday Night Raw. We had a Bianca Belair promo. I thought Bianca was awesome, but you know what? Nobody wants Becky Lynch to be a heel. They've never wanted Becky Lynch to be a heel. They've always wanted her to be a babyface. And so Bianca's here talking about Becky, 
And there are people booing her. There are people chanting for Becky Lynch. And, bro, get these two away from each other immediately. Get them away from each other. Move Becky on to somebody else and move be or yeah, move Becky to somebody else and move Bianca on to some heel that people aren't gonna like so that she can actually get over as a babyface. Because the irony is that everything that Becky complains about is a heel is what's actually happening for real with Bianca Miller. So get them away from each other. The sooner the better for the love of God. Braun Breaker beat Dolph Ziggler to win the NXT title ten minutes. No heat, but they did pop big for the finish because they got to see a championship change. You know, we've got an audience that, uh, you know, that they're not watching NXT 2.0. So, and who is? Except for me. We had a Bobby Lashley MVP segment. This was also classic WWE. You had a group called the Hurt Business. They were the coolest group in all of Raw or SmackDown. You had MVP. You had Bobby Lashley. You had Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander. So what do they do? They they break off Shelton and Cedric. Then they reunite them, and no one cares. Then they break them up again, and no because no one even knows what's going on. But you at least had Lashley, who's not a great promo, and MVP, who's an awesome promo. Well, they have a match at Mania with Bobby Lashley and Omos. It absolutely sucks. Omos is incapable of having a good match. All people can talk about is, at the very least, I don't want to see anyone get fired, but you got to send the guy back to developmental or something. Not WWE. No. Bobby Lashley comes out. He does a promo, which is not very good. And then Omos comes out. And MVP turns on Bobby Lashley. And now MVP is managing Omos against Bobby Lashley. You know, there's an old saying, accentuate the strengths and, uh, you know... Don't expose everyone's weaknesses. This is, this is like, this is idiot-proof WWE. They're making so much money it doesn't matter. But you have literally done everything wrong with everybody involved in this whole scenario. But great, now we got MVP and Omos. Omos will have bad matches. Lashley do bad promos. Then we had Zelina and Carmella. They're supposed to face Natty and Shayna. But uh, Carmella dances all the way down to the ring. They go to commercial. She dances during the whole commercial break, apparently. They come back, and Zelina's just sick of this dancing. Turns on her. I hate you. It's all, it's all about you. Your husband's an idiot for marrying you. But, boy, he's a hand. And I'm like, oh, my God. Now, uh, Corey Graves is a sex symbol all the women want. Carmella gets mad. I'm so, like, I cannot wait for them to get married. I cannot wait. He's leaving, thank God. She's leaving. Get off my television. This is the ultimate go-away heat of the... I tolerated it for long enough. I can't take it anymore. Thankfully, they're leaving, and Jerry Lawler is replacing Corey Graves for a while. That's I, not an upgrade. I, yeah, it is. I no. hope... like Car- Listen, Corey Graves, when he's just a commentator, is better than Jerry Lawler. But now he's not a commentator. He's a part of the storyline. The women are fighting over him. He's got to pander to his... I'm over it. Get out of here for a while. Like, honest to God, I wish them nothing but the best. And I hope that they can pay for like a six-month honeymoon. And then they can come back and like start all over again. And like, it's over. This is over. I got it. You're married. I don't care anymore. Golly. I think you're handsome, Corey. Chimney Christmas. Then we had... uh, Austin Theory, Usos versus Finn Balor, Randy Orton, and Riddle. 
I don't know if like, they like think that Finn Balor's leaving or something, but I mean, they're just beating him like a drum. Austin Theory pins him for about the eighth time because you know Austin Theory is, and they even said it on TV. He's Vince's new chosen one because Vince always has to find a handsome guy with a good physique who can work, but then he's got to go beat everybody that works better than he does, and everybody turns on him and hates the guy, and they think he's being shoved down there. This is classic, classic WWE. That's what we're seeing here. Edge and Damian Priest segment. Fans just mocking them throughout this segment. Edge is now uh, the old Seth Rollins Messiah gimmick. I'm going to be brooding and do uh, you know very generic monotone promos. Damian Priest is, uh, you know, it's 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 literally, it's a Jericho Appreciation Society, but it's Edge. And uh, Damian Priest is, I don't know, one of 2.0. But anyway, fans are chanting, you know, we don't care. And then Edge goes, well, of course you don't care. You're, you're idiots. And they chant, we are idiots. <laughs> Whatever. It'll be better next week. They won't have this crowd. And then AJ Styles comes out, and they beat him up, and they're going to give him the concerto. But uh, thankfully, for once in in anyone's life, the guys actually come out to save AJ. And then we get a chant for Jamie Noble, who was the only over guy in the segment on this Raw after WrestleMania. We had the Street Profits versus Alpha Academy. I mean, it was all right, but it's one of those matches where they're all in the ring together. It's a Texas Tornado match. So they're like falling on each other and they're in everybody's way. This would have been a thousand times better. It's just a tag match, but it's a after WrestleMania. We've got to do something wacky. And then uh, Ford uh, pinned Gable, splashed him through a table. It's a good finish. And I mean, they worked hard, but I, I think this could have been better. And then the main event of the show is a Roman Reigns segment. Roman Reigns comes out. He goes, I know what you guys want to hear about, but let's mix it up a little. Paul, tell everyone how great I am. Isn't that every Roman promo? So Paul tells us how great he is and all of the business records that have been set under Roman Reigns. And then he gives a mic to Roman Reigns and Roman says, you know, after what I did at WrestleMania, unified these titles, beat Brock Lesnar. Some men some men would uh, call it a career, but not me. I am a progressive tribal chief, he says. Perhaps he's running for office. And he says, I'm going to tell you guys what's next on SmackDown. And then they all go like this, and then the fans all go like this. Roman was over as a total babyface. They weren't even mad that he wasn't going to tell them tonight. They were like, cool, SmackDown! And that's how the show ended. So there you go. I was not uh, blown away by this Raw. I just wasn't. It didn't suck, but it was not the Raw after WrestleMania we have seen in the past. That was more of a Raw hangover <laughs> type of deal. Because, again, it wasn't wasn't an awful show at all. Uh, some of the monotony of those seeing WrestleMania uh, footage in there as opposed to some of the long, drawn-out stuff that they usually do. Again, it, it was okay, and I guess we can get into a little bit more of it. We'll get more in with Mike after the break, everybody. Hold that thought. Observer Live. Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Sabravivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. Hey, listen, we can talk about Raw after WrestleMania and all that kind of stuff, but let's talk about some actual real important stuff very quickly. I am man enough to admit when I am wrong. And no. Anyway, the Great O'Con! 
is being honored for having saved a girl from an assault. This is the greatest story. On the evening of March 29, Khan reportedly subdued an inebriated 61-year-old man who had grabbed a 10-year-old girl by both shoulders. Khan had seen the man harassing the girl before stepping in to intervene. Incident took place outside J.R. Musashi Kosugi Station in Kawasaki City. The Nakara police honored Great Okan Monday, April 4th, with a letter of appreciation for his efforts. He told Tokyo Sports the recognition was more valuable to him than a championship belt. If I recall correctly, when the police showed up and they asked him who he was, he responded, I am the great Okan of New Japan Pro Wrestling. That right there. And then I think later they uh, he was interviewed or something like that and he got in a plug for the TV show. This guy's, this guy's the real deal. If I ever said anything bad about the great Okan, I apologize. You should. But you I mean, he, he's still not the best worker in New Japan. Let's not, <laughs> let's not go nutty. Not. Nobody ever said but, that he was. But, you just wanted to hey, do listen, that. Hey, listen. Listen. This is what people don't understand. I am, able oh, yeah. to, I am able to separate real life from this business, unlike some people, okay? And listen, I wish nothing but health and happiness and prosperity to, for example, The Miz. I hope that when he goes home, like, his wife and his children and his family and his father, and I hope he has a wonderful life with all sincerity, absolutely, same with everybody, Okay. Now, as a wrestler, horrible. He wrestles like he's underwater. He was outshined by Logan Paul. But these are different things. Some people don't understand that, okay? So, like, Great Ocon, I can't say enough great things about, about this person. Now, as a wrestler, you know, he's still got a little ways to go. But he's, you know, he's had some good men. Here's the thing with Great Ocon. okay? <laughs> what are you doing? I'm talking about the Great Ocon. I gotcha. The Great Ocon. This is everybody in wrestling. When the great Okan does a match where he has to go in there and like wrestle like an amateur wrestler, it's great. But then when he has to go in there and, you know, do all the whatever and ah, not as great. You got to work to a person's strengths and, and, you know, and avoid their weaknesses. How many times do we say this, Mike? So anyway... in this case, though, aren't you really wanting to blame Jado, though? Because the reality is... A lot of guys, they go on their excursions, they come back as something. What we've seen under Giotto and, and their, Gato and Giotto, I guess really both of them, we've seen guys come back as characters. There was a heavy emphasis on characters. That's why we got Great Okan. That's why we got Master Watto. That's why we got Evil in all caps. That's why we've gotten those things. So, I mean, it, it certainly gave him a personality, but I think people really maybe even you, really judged him more on the character and him coming back, knowing, if you watch New Japan, that there was going to be a lot more development taking place, which is why he's with Will Ospreay and why he's with Jeff Cobb, that, you know, again, I think the character and... <laughs> I, I don't know. You have seen him. You have just not liked him from day one. You've wanted to make fun That's of him true. from day one. That's yes, not it true. Yes, it I is. did not like him. I, I thought that you people like were like character. badly overrating his his matches. But who are these people that badly overrated his matches? Because you have people on your own website that have shows like the Adam and Mike Big Audio Nightmare that have talked about 
his progression and what they were doing with him and where they wanted him. And you looked at him and it's like, that guy's never going to be world champion. And it's like, can well, we give it some time here? I mean, if can we he, give it a little bit of time listen, here? Listen, here's the thing. I've He's talked, like five years into his career. I've talked to countless people who've worked for New Japan. And they all tell you the same thing. We're given how much time we've got, and that's it. You know, no one tells us how to work. No one tells us what to do in the match. Like, they go out there and they do that on their own. And Great Okan has certain strengths, and I believe that he should play to those strengths more because that's the best stuff that I see out of the guy. The guy comes across when he wrestles as, like, a, a badass grappler, wrestler, tough guy, and that's way better than doing, like, the, the goofy, gimmicky stuff. That but stuff they wanted is just him like, to do that. All that stuff with the Mongolian chops was something that they wanted to give him, and then they obviously wanted to play oh, it into a feud that he had with Tenzon, which obviously was... Don't even get me into that was, feud. But, the bottom, but he didn't book that. Well, no, but I didn't blame him for that. But whoever put that feud together, Jiminy Christmas. Well, you talking about I mean, Ghetto, by the way, not Jado. Ghetto. Ghetto, you know, yeah. but they look, they've had, they've had, they've had some pros and they've had some cons. And, and you know, I, you guys remember that storyline, by the way, with, uh, with the great Ocon and, uh, Tenzon? What about it? I'm don't, we don't have to relive it. That's for sure. <laughs> so Tenzon, Tenzon did Mongolian chops. So they literally built to a match where the, where the loser could no longer do Mongolian chops. That was a stipulation. So they do the match. Ocon wins. And then the very next show, Ten Songs just Mongolian yeah. chopping people. They just totally. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, even Golly. Kevin Kelly kind of threw his hands up on that, from what I recall. And it it didn't make any sense. And I don't know. Maybe they were trying to push Tenzon with a foot out the door to officially just be a trainer and never active. I don't know what the plan was, but whatever it was, it went right out the window. And the the damn stipulation didn't mean a damn thing. But Tomiyuki Oka is a is a hero at the end of the day whether he wants the people to, to give the heroism to the great no, it's the great ocon mike that's at the great ocon doesn't yes. matter no it does whether... matter when he was asked who are you he said i am the great ocon <laughs> from true. new japan professional wrestling but i'm gonna look past that a little bit and what matters to me is is oka as a human being a hero for what he did and a hero to the wrestling business because that's pretty damn old school, you know. It's uh, it, it's not exactly the same sort of situation, but like Tim Woods, Mister Wrestling, the original Mister Wrestling, was part of that plane crash where the pilot died, Ric Flair broke his back, Bob Bruggers ended his career, Johnny Valentine's career ended, David Crockett uh, was badly injured in that deal, and when they came to him because here's a baby face flying with these other heels. I think he said uh, George Wooden. I can't remember if he gave him his, you know, some variation of his, you know, Christian name, his God-given, his government name, whatever it is. He gave some sort of variation on that and, you know, saved the business in, in a way. So it is a very old school thing to do. It was a and just a very awesome thing to do. And the lore that's going to come out of this for his career, I mean, it's in and just is something else. It really is. We have the Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor, 20,000 buys. That is not counting anybody that watched on Honor Club like I did, Vinny did, Dave did. I don't Like, everyone I know watched it on Honor Club. But apparently there were 20,000 other people that bought it either streaming or traditional pay-per-view. And I, what are, That says a lot for FTR and, and the Briscoes. Well, of course it does. But you know what's funny is, like, I could not for the life of me figure out where to stream the show at. I finally, like, I'm looking everywhere. I'm looking on Fight, and I'm looking uh, BR, and I, I maybe it was an Apple TV app or whatever. It just wasn't coming up. But I could not find it anywhere. And then finally, I, was, I just thought, maybe I'll just try Honor Club. Does that even exist anymore now that Tony bought it? 
and I click on Honor Club, and there it was for free because I was a subscriber, so I watched it there. But anyway, 20,000 buys, and yes, obviously FTR and the Briscoes is a big part of that, but I think that what it, a lot of it was that, you know, it was Tony Khan's first Ring of Honor show, and he had promised a lot of surprises, and, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you think of AEW, the fact is, you know, some people are down on certain surprises, like, oh, I didn't think the sale of Ring of Honor was a good surprise or everything like that. Which you're you're welcome to. Here's the thing: you're welcome to think that you didn't think that that was a. This goes back to Christian, by the way. You are welcome to say I thought that the Ring of Honor announcement was a lame surprise. You are welcome to say I believe that the uh, announcement that we've got a big star, a Hall of Fame caliber wrestler coming, it ends up being Christian. You have every right to think I was let down by this. Okay, but here's the difference. Tony Khan, in his mind, he believed what he said, and he believed that he delivered what was in his brain. You guys, you guys know what a fan Tony Khan was of Christian. You may think that Christian was just like some bloke that you know he had some good matches. He was you know Edge's partner, everything. Tony thought Christian was the greatest. He was a enormous Christian fan. You ever hear on these shows where uh, you know? Uh, you could argue he doesn't know his audience then. That's fine. He he believes that Christian is a Hall of Fame caliber performer and that he delivered on his promise. He believed that his purchase of Ring of Honor was a gigantic story that was going to change the landscape of the business. Now, I don't know if it's going to end up being that way. We got some evidence it did pretty well for that first show. But this is not like some promoters, oh, I'm going to screw these people. I'm going to tell them they're going to get a great surprise. And I'm going to give them something that sucks. No, he thought he thought what he said. If you don't think so, that's fine. I'm not saying you're not allowed to think that. I'm not allowed to you know, you can think whatever you want about any surprise that he promises, whether you felt it delivered or not. But in his mind, he was delivering that surprise. He's the owner. He's the owner that obviously believes what he's saying he's when it comes fan. to Christian as a wrestler because he was a fan of Christian, but he's also a promoter. And Vince McMahon Don King, Bob Arum, Joe Goosen, the Duvas, you look at the biggest names in promotion in Dana White in fight history, whether it be boxing or mixed martial arts or K1, doesn't matter what it is. Like, you want to, I mean, I'm not saying you want to overdo everything. You want to have levels to your promotion, but like, what would you expect him to do? Well, we got a special announcement tonight. Tune in. Don't tune in. We got an announcement that some of you will think eh, is lame. Others yeah. will think it's great. Because we know. So tune in if fans. you feel like it. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. And uh, look, there's a you can cr- you can cry wolf. Don King is a great example of that throughout time when he lost Tyson, when he didn't have Chavez, when things kind of went downhill for him. There were a lot of these things that you throw out there. You pay fifty bucks and you didn't get your money's worth. And you know, but. <laughs> You still need to promote. You still need to make things that may not be that big a little bit bigger. Put some shine on it. So those people that may not know about it or may be on the periphery, you got... Look, it's just promotion, and I think people bend that little way too far out of the way when it comes to any promotion. Well, that wasn't that big of a deal. Well, how do you want them to sell it to you? Here, it's not a big deal? I mean, it just... 
you know, I think it's silly sometimes, and I think people get too caught up in that. And it's like, look, it's not going to always fix your fancy at every time. It's not going to fulfill you every time. You may not think it's the biggest deal in the world, but you know what? There's somebody that might actually think that's the case. For somebody, and Christian had a lot of fans. There are people that love that dude. And he did, it's not just him. There's a lot of people that fit into that. So hey, I listen. don't know. I think sometimes he gets his, his cojones busted too much for just being a promoter, which is what he's supposed to be doing. All right, listen. We got uh, the Raw ratings from Brandon Thurston here. The Raw, the night after WrestleMania. They broke 2 million, 2.1 million viewers, 0.63 at 18 to 49. Compared to last week, up 6% in total viewership, up 14% in 18 to 49. Male 18 to 34, up 68%. Wow. Compared to the prior four weeks. People 18 to 34, up 61%. Females 18 to 34, up 58%. Females 18 to 49, up 48%. So we will get the uh, quarter hours, I'm sure, here in a while. But uh, that's the biggest raw number I can believe I can remember in... I don't even remember how long. Been a long time. Back in a moment, Observer Live. Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Sempervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. You know, I'm not a big fan of conspiracy theories, but I have a conspiracy theory for you all here. Do you know this Ezekiel bloke showed up and said he was uh, Elias' brother? Remember that? Talked about it at the beginning of the show? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I believe he's lying. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. How do you know? Well, I'm looking at a picture of him here that uh, showed up on the internet, and uh, it's uncanny. I believe, I believe that Ezekiel actually is someone's brother, but he's actually the brother of L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight? Once you see it, you ain't going to be able to unsee it. So, there you go. Oh, boy. Dave's really going to be upset. That mean, mean we get Ezekiel going down to NXT, and we get Gunther and and him next. I wonder where that fits on the Walter scale. Mm. I don't know. Elias. Maybe we'll have another Walter match tonight, I hope. <laughs> you think Ezekiel's better in the ring than Elias? Oh, man, everyone's, everyone, everyone's noticing it now. Yep, you ain't get ever, you're, you'll never unsee it now that you've seen it, everybody. He's the, the brother eyes. of L.A. Knight. Is it the eyes and the upper cheek? What is I'm it thinking this, he should have He should have come out as L.A. Day. <laughs> He's the brother of L.A. Knight. That's what he should have done. Could have debuted both of them. Anyway, we're out of time. I want to thank Mike, as always, callers and listeners over the studio. Talk to you again next time, Wrestling Observer Live.